0: Hello, college football fans. Welcome to episode 94 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Peter
1: Schmitz. Hello, college football fans and Husker fans.
0: Hello, hello, hello. So we are here after a two-week break to discuss Nebraska's game against Northwestern, as well as the... Uh, different games from weeks 10 and 11 of the college football season. And uh, for those out there who may be listening to us for the first time, this is college football throwdown. We are a father son podcast that talks about uh, college football by college football fans for college football fans with an emphasis on our favorite team, the Nebraska Cornhuskers and one thing that we traditionally do at the beginning of episodes is to uh crack a cold beverage for us to drink uh but we've actually been neglecting that for the recent episodes but dad i believe you're here to rectify that mistake
1: i i am here to rectify that mistake absolutely you know and it and it's it, we we i can't believe it's 94 we're we're approaching our 100th episode alex that's pretty crazy although with you know with covid who knows this this whole year has just been bizarre and our our schedule has been disrupted significantly because of that, but uh, yes, the beer that I'm going to to uh, open today is a little bit of a a unique one because it's uh, um, it's from uh, Shell Brewery in uh, Newall, Minnesota, home of your uh, great grandmother, who is uh, doing well at 112 years old uh, up there in northern or central Arizona or sh- central Minnesota rather, uh, and Shell's is actually the second oldest brewery in the United States uh, uh, they have been uh, brewing beer there since 1860 wow. um, uh, and this is Oktoberfest it's a Mar- uh, Marzen style fest beer is the way they describe it it's a very good uh, multiple hops there's like three different types of hops in it um, and um, uh, or excuse me three different types of malt in it which makes it very very, very flavorful beer And I really enjoy it. And so it's called Shells Oktoberfest, you know, usually produced only during the fall of the year. And then and then you have to wait another year for it. So there we go. So. Oh, did you hear that? A little bit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's all foamy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I must have. uh, Yeah, I I must have shook it up a little too much. (laughs) (laughs) You you got a little
0: too excited before Mm -hmm. this podcast.
1: Exactly. All right. We're just going to have to let that one ease out. (laughs) All right. Fair Mm -hmm. enough.
0: Um, So on last week's or the previous podcast, episode 93, uh, we were discussing Mm -hmm. uh, Nebraska's loss against Ohio State and then the upcoming Wisconsin game. And at that time, we were uh, discussing the uh, things that we had heard about their quarterback potentially – Uh, testing positive for COVID-19 and uh, assuming that the, that he would be able to play and that everything would go ahead, you know, with Wisconsin at their full strength and we predicted that Nebraska would lose in that situation. Uh, But as it turned out, he did have COVID-19 as did several other players on their team. uh, So much so that the uh, game ended up being canceled. And then there was an attempt by Nebraska to get a non-conference opponent to come play in Lincoln as kind of a last minute replacement. Um, but the uh, big 10 uh, did not let us move forward with that. Um, so we ended up not playing a game that week and just moved on to prepping for Northwestern.
1: Right. And uh, you know, obviously there was some consternation in, in Lincoln and, and then of course, pushback and, you know, accusations of us being whiners and, and all that sort of stuff, which some of it is probably accurate. I have to say that, you know, at some point you have to just concede that it's it's happening the way it is and move on again. I think I think our administration and the staff staff there, the coaches have handled it very well in all of these regards. But there are times when our fans don't handle it so well.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So that's that's our biggest problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, the Nebraska fans. I mean, they're a passionate bunch, which is a, a good thing in many cases, but can also kind of backfire. Um, I under, you know, it is a little frustrating, but I understand. I'm sure for the Big Ten, it's a legal thing, cause like they set all this up within the Big Ten bubble, right? In terms of like right. the COVID precautions and all that. And even though I know it was a point right. that whatever team we brought in had to have as good of COVID pre- precautions or more so than what the Big Ten had. Uh, which this team did, uh, but still, it wasn't allowed. Which I get for legal reasons, probably why the Big Ten didn't want that to happen.
1: Right. I mean, the the reality is was you know they had uh, entered into this plan, entered into agreements with their with their distribution partners, their television, their advertisers, all of those people. Right. So let's let uh, you know. Let's fast forward. Doesn't matter how good the the protocols were from the visiting team. Let's fast-forward and, and, and assume the worst-case scenario for the Big Ten, which is Nebraska plays U- University of Tennessee Chattanooga. And, uh, and then following that game, Nebraska has an outbreak that whether they actually can assign it to the game at UT uh, or the game with Chattanooga Is irrelevant At that point, the suspicion or the possibility exists there. And now you've jeopardized future Big Ten contractual games like, say, the Northwestern game that we're going to be discussing in today's podcast might not have happened. Right. So now you've just shot yourself in the foot with additional games lost uh, because Nebraska went outside the bubble and played a team, brought brought a team in and did that. Or, you know, so there's all kinds of implications that just weren't worth it.
0: Yep. Yep. So, you know, I understand that. So uh, we moved on and we're prepping for the game against Northwestern in uh, week 11 of the overall uh, college football schedule. And uh, we ended up playing that game and it was at Northwestern. Uh, and Northwestern ended up winning that game at 21 to 13 in what I'm sure was a frustrating watch for many uh, Nebraska fans out there um, because in terms of the stats and just the overall level of play and who got in the red zone more often and all that sort of stuff uh, Nebraska was definitely the better team that day um, but we made more mistakes and what's particularly frustrating to me is that uh, Northwestern is typically known as a team that doesn't make mistakes you know they're they're not the most talented but they do what they do well and they don't mess up they don't shoot themselves in the foot. Not quite true in this game, though. I believe they ended up having like eight penalties and they turned the ball over twice. Um, so they made their fair share of mistakes as well. Um, and we just weren't able to uh, capitalize off of those the way we should have.
1: Well, uh, not only uh, not capitalize off of those, but, but it, it's, a, it's also the timing of when uh, the, the turnovers occurred for them versus us. Um, You know, those kinds of circumstances certainly played into it a little bit. But but one of our turnovers that we got from them was an interception that was brought down to like the three or four yard line and led to a touchdown on the next play. So so we got seven points out of those two turnovers, you know, on our side of the ledger. So um, but yes, um, uh, the, the, the key here was is that they just played disciplined football, especially after halftime. You know at halftime, they hadn't played that well, and frankly, it looked pretty good for Nebraska. But then, as has typically been our issue, not just during the Scott Frost era, but going back quite a ways, in the last 15, 20 years, Nebraska has been a team that did not adjust well at halftime. and, and I, I would have to go back uh, any number of coaching staffs um, to to be able to say with confidence that Nebraska was a team that I could expect was going to adjust well at halftime, it almost had to go back to Frank Solich uh, and you know Tom Osborne's old staff to to really be able to say that. Since then, we we haven't done that well, and we certainly didn't this week. Yes,
0: that is true, and I I had forgotten that particular uh, note about the game, but you're correct. We got that we got that interception that basically led to a very easy touchdown for us after that. Uh, which was the only touchdown we scored, which means that we basically didn't. The offense didn't like actually have a drive that scored a touchdown. We did get field goals, and then we would get very close, only to then, right. like you said, both of our turnovers were where we were having a good drive, um, right, and basically like in the end zone we turned right. the ball well, over.
1: Right. One, what one was an interception in the end zone. Another one was a circumstance where we were. Basically, you know, like second and goal uh, inside the five-yard line. And, and we threw a, a pass that got that bounced off one of our own players' helmets and then got intercepted and, you know, returned a little bit by, uh, by Northwestern. But, uh, but yes, um, getting back to the fundamental of it, uh, you, you could see the skills of the individual players. You can see all these glimmers of hope within Nebraska, but, but at the end of the day, you know, the fact that we doubled them up practically on first downs, we had, you know, 140 more yards than they did more time of possession, all those kinds of things. It's irrelevant. If you can't do the simple stuff like penalties uh, on procedure that puts you behind the sticks and, and makes it harder for you to get a first down uh, or puts you in the bad field position, which, which they were able to do in the second half, and they were able to keep us hold back. You know, when we did drive the ball, we had to drive it a long way. Right. Well, and, and that was
0: one other little note I was going to make was that um, on the special teams angle, um, we made two field goals, and then we missed one, and their guy missed one and didn't have any others. Um, so that kind of equaled out a little bit there. Um, and then on the kicking side of things, um, you'll remember there was that one punt that caught the wind real nice and uh, Wandale Robinson had to go way back to get it. So we started that drive like on the 10 yard line. Whereas like on, I think there were two specific punts I can remember by us where they got a solid return off of it, you know, and so right. got to start with good field position. Um, yep. In one of those cases, which I think it was in the fourth quarter, I distinctly remember, I don't know what happened because there were like two red jerseys like coming for the guy and he just like ran right between them. And I just didn't understand how those two didn't, uh, didn't get that guy.
1: Um, yeah. Well, and it's, it's one of those things where, where they were both angling to have that guy move, uh, you know, run to the right or run to the left and not run into each other. Right. And, and, but he was uh, able to split them basically uh, because neither one of them committed to head on, you know, attack on the guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's just poor tackling technique. Again, uh, that, uh, that, that's coaching. That's coaching uh, on our special teams units, which was really poor. I mean, it, it, it's clear we have an improvement at our field goal kicker position, but our punter was was not good at all yesterday. And uh, and our punt well, and kickoff coverage teams were atrocious. Actually, so,
0: I have here. So uh, at least comparing the two teams, uh, we had five punts with an average of forty yards, and they had six with an average of
1: forty-three. Um, right. So, but we ha- we had the benefit of a of a of a wind aided punt or two that went quite large. Large, but we also had some twenty, some twenty-five or thirty-yard type punts. So his ability to, to get, you know, consistency was tough and I get it. It's because there was wind, um, you know, but, but still as a punter, you, you've got to know if you're punting into the wind then you, you keep it low trajectory. And that was also part of the reason for the kickoffs and, and punt returns having success for them is height. It's not enough to just kick it with some distance, like the 40 yards, it's got to be 40 yards and high. Right. Right and we didn't get that. So our punter did not grade out in my mind high high in this game.
0: Yeah. But yeah, to just go over some stats real quick like you mentioned, we we had 28 uh, first downs to their 14, uh 442 yards of total offense to their 317. Uh, we controlled time of possession by 320 32 27 to their 2733. Um all those sorts of stuff, but then there are a couple of uh uh, stats that really show the difference in the game, I think, where uh, if you combine third down and fourth down conversions, uh, we were 6 of 17, whereas they were 8 of 16. Um, so neither team doing great on that regard, but we were definitely worse. And red, right. red zone scores, we were 3 oh. of 6, they were 2 of 3.
1: Right. Yep. And and we had a couple of other uh, uh, you know, like you said drives that were moving well that were threatening to be a score type of situation like the interception that uh, Adrian Martinez threw which was not in the red zone but but we we had a great drive going and then we you know throw that pick in the end zone on yes. uh, on that play where that where he he threw that up for his receiver who he was throwing to a tight end who's like 6-8 so i get his logic you know why he was thinking that might not be a bad idea um because you know but then our our receiver uh, that tight end was not in the proper position and ended up jumping backwards away from the ball instead of jumping towards the ball which he needed to do he needed to jump to catch the ball at the high point and he did the exact opposite so you know that that particular interception Although it was clearly, you know, uh, Martinez just throwing the ball up for grabs. Um, sometimes quarterbacks do that, especially if they believe their receiver has an advantage, which in this case he did. He had probably, you know, five inches on on the the other guys around him, and so you know you had arm uh, wingspan in there, and he had a foot more, right? So if he is positioned a little bit better and he jumps properly. He probably gets up there and gets that ball, right? But I,
0: I wonder if for that receiver because that was uh, later in the game, and you know when that was a drive where uh, we had started pretty far back, I remember and. Uh, Yes, Martinez had some nice scrambles, you know, in third down situations to get us first downs and was doing some great stuff with his legs and was like, okay, you know, we're we're getting some positive movement going like you're saying. Um, But, you know, he had been all over the place the whole day with his throws in terms of under throwing receivers or overthrowing them, throwing it too fast, you know, I mean, the timings was just totally off. So I wonder if that receiver kind of thought, oh, maybe he's been throwing it long today. Uh, I should jump you know, uh, edge on the side of it being long, and then you know it was the opposite. There it was underthrown.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So. Well, and he was in that particular in that particular play, our 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 uh, tight end was open earlier. He he actually threw the ball late. He needed to throw that ball earlier, and and then it would have been an, uh, a much more uncontested situation, and and he probably would have you know either scored or caught the ball just before. The goal line, and you know, either fallen in or or been really close. Right. Uh, but 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 uh, yeah, um, a a general criticism of of um, of Martinez for this game is that he seemed out of sorts from the very early stages. I mean, literally the first few drives of the game, he was he was very inaccurate. He seemed antsy back in the pocket he was not comfortable he was not relaxed he wasn't letting the game come to him he was super antsy and he was just throwing shit I mean just wasn't even close to accurate uh, plays that should have been the success and he was not doing it and then and then in in this case of the of the interception that we've been discussing uh even that ball you know he had some other options there was another uh receiver that was reasonably open that, that would have been about a 15 or 20-yard gain. And he, so he could have picked that, that person in his progression rather than the deep ball. And we hadn't thrown the ball deep that much. So why, why throw a Hail Mary kind of throw it up for grabs when that's the first time you've thrown a deep ball day? Go ahead and do the intermediate route of 20 yards. Hell, we hadn't done that very well either. Right. You
0: know? Well, yeah, because that's the thing, so. like Martinez has never been great at the deep ball, you know, and we understand that. But, you know, we we have traditionally, you know, he's playing solidly, been able to rely on him for that medium or short length ball. Right. Um. But right. you're right. He, even that he was way off base today. And I'm not 100 percent sure why, Um, you know, because once again, like there were it seemed to be so much fits and starts with him. Cause there were some drives where, you know, he's, he's showing off why he's a good dual threat quarterback. You know, why he's tough for mm-hmm. defenses, you know, scrambling on third downs, you know, or just tucking it for quarterback draws. You know, we went back to that several times for good results. Um, you know, yep, so the, yep. there were stuff like that, but yeah, then when, whenever, whenever we got off pace, it was, unfortunately it was just like we saw in that Ohio state game. Um, whenever we got off pace of, you know, our, what we want to, the yards we wanted to be getting on first down. Yeah. Um, Off schedule. Yeah. 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 uh, You know, we always just kind of slowed down and weren't able to continue after that. And those offsides penalties, like you mentioned, or false starts um, were, were killing us there,
1: getting us off that pace. Right. Well, that's exactly right. And again, uh, that's, that's leadership. That's him being consistent between practice and the game in terms of how he claps, to get the snaps of the ball in terms of how he communicates and lines up people and gets them organized where they need to be uh, so that we can run our offense at the speed that we wanted. It's, it was clear early on that we wanted to play with pace, with more pace than we were trying to at Ohio State. So we were trying to increase the tempo, uh, and it seemed to cause him to play with high anxiety as opposed to him playing within himself and and that led to bad things for not only him but for the linemen and uh, the backs and everyone you know right. in terms of knowing where they were supposed to be it was like all of us all of our team was just a little on edge like they they weren't as confident and as they, as you know they didn't know what they were doing as well as they should have and right. and that goes back to the coaches. Right. You know, well, that is that is squarely on Scott. I,
0: well, I'll, I'll I'll give two counterpoints to that one. I know that Juergens, our center, uh, got hurt. Um, and so there was some sh- shuffling around at the offensive line to account for that. Um, and there were a couple of, you know, bad snaps uh, kind of as a result of that. But, you know, it wasn't. A major issue um so i i kind of i understand that part of it um and we had some players like i thought uh dedrick mills played great on that day um he had some nice runs you know with uh with a author- where he's running with authority and things like that so th- those were some positive signs i saw so that you know there were players i saw uh on the offense who were you know performing well, but in some cases like our receiver was open and then Adrian just completely misses up the pass. And it's like, well, you know, that's that's on you, Adrian. Uh although and then I will say I remember later in the game, I think this was with when McCaffrey was in, but there was one particular dropped pass like in the end zone that I screamed at the TV at because yeah. it was a <laughs> right. really bad drop. Um yep. but um, you know Yeah, and I feel bad because I I like Martinez, and obviously he's been our, you know, this is his third year as our quarterback now. But um, I'm sort of starting (laughs) to drift into the crowd based on what I saw of uh, McCaffrey's playing, who also admittedly uh, threw a bad interception right in the end zone, bouncing off a helmet, a weird kind of situation. And he's also not been great at handoffs to receivers, both in the Ohio State game and this game. He fumbled the ball there, um, which was not great. Um, but, um, I, when he, what we did save him throwing, he was definitely more accurate than Martinez. He's also got a good set of legs underneath him. And at the very least, if we're playing him, he's our future, you know, being a true freshman. So, you know, maybe better to develop him and give him the snaps, you know, and make this a learning year for him rather than our junior who is still a head case
1: somehow after three years right well he's a red shirt he's a red shirt freshman but now this season isn't going to count so next year he'll still be a freshman so will uh you know our other recruit who's a true freshman and then we have martinez who will continue to be a junior so um but yes uh, martinez this is his third year as our starter by now, we should expect certain things from him that we're not seeing, and I don't think that comes as a surprise or that he feels he's being uh, unfairly evaluated at this point either i, I I'm pretty sure that uh, take, uh, that Adrian understands that and he knows that he has to be better, right He knows he's supposed to be better, but he's just not, and he's just not making these decisions fast enough this you know we Keep talking about being a fast blinker, somebody who can process information and move through some things very quickly. Right. And he's not that guy. So um, um, I I would agree with you. I I think now that we've played, I I was not in favor of Martinez uh, of uh, 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 McCaffrey getting a start in either of these first two games. Uh, It was very much, in my opinion, the right thing to do to stay with Adrian. I would not disagree uh, with making a switch now Uh, because we've given Adrian an opportunity. Uh, He, he underperformed in my opinion, in the second half of the Ohio state game uh, quite significantly. And then uh, and then I think he played particularly poorly early in the, the, um, the game against Northwestern. And then, and then in the, and then in the third quarter uh, again, just kind of started spiraling in the, worse and worse decisions and and only after the, the other team gets a lead and we're kind of out of it and now we're in total scramble mode where all the pressure's off. The the likelihood is we're gonna lose. And then he kind of relaxes again and can start to start playing better again. It just it's a weird phenomenon. And it has to do with somebody who just fundamentally is having trouble dealing with the pressure. And I think McCaffrey has shown himself to be uh, such a, a, a brilliant student of the game, he seems to always be confident in what he's doing. Even if he does it wrong, he's still confident, right? He's not shaken uh, in his confidence. And, and, I, and I think that's a very important characteristic in a quarterback. Well, and we, we may discuss that later in some of the other games when we talk uh, nationally because yeah. that's huge. You've got to have a quarterback who's good and confident.
0: Uh, I've got two more points to make and then we'll move off of this game. Uh, But on with the point with Adrian, what do you have another example from your history of college football that you can think of where a quarterback showed flashes of brilliance and actually played quite well in their first year and then degraded over time? Usually you think it's the opposite, right? You struggle as a freshman, but you gain more experience, and by the time you're junior or senior, you know you're playing your best football. Uh, but for Adrian, it seems to be the opposite, and I'm not exactly sure why.
1: Right. Well, regretfully, there's one that's from a fairly recent Nebraska uh, vintage that that we can speak to, which is Taylor Martinez, who right. during his freshman season was spectacular and was being discussed as a as a possible Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, and then he hurt his foot, and got that major turf toe injury, and was never the same again, and seemed to never get over it. and it ended up affecting his his throwing motion and everything. And he was never the same quarterback right. again, right. But, now, but, but so I can blame that a little bit on the injury.
0: Yeah, that's what I was gonna uh, say. That is true of Martinez Taylor Martinez, but the, yeah, that injury was a big deal, and you know his speed as a runner was like his ace in the hole, and he was never quite the as fast again after that. But with correct. I know Adrian also has gotten hurt, but it seems to be more mental with him than physical.
1: I I totally agree with you, and yes, there are a lot of quarterbacks. Uh, there was a quarterback from West Wisconsin, uh, uh, like the year after they won the Big Ten championship, he was returning starter and he literally kind of got what they call the yips where all of a sudden he just couldn't make decisions. He couldn't make throws and they just didn't know why. And they, they, you know, they, they got, they got the sports psychologist involved and all kinds of stuff. And they never really were able to get him to turn around until the following year. After that season, he just had a terrible year, but then he came back again because he was still an underclassman, came back again for his senior year and ended up having a pretty good senior year. So so usually somebody gets through that, can work their way mentally through that. But Adrian seems to to have not progressed in that regard as I had hoped he would and as most athletes do. And again, it, it's generally about confidence, just about repetitions. And this is an example of where, you know, there's just been a lot of things that have all kind of merged to affect uh, Scott and his program more than uh, more than it would affect others. And, and it's why we find ourselves having made a lot of steps in the positive direction, our talent level is way higher now than it's been. I, I don't think there's any question in my mind about that. I'm very confident in making that statement, but, but we're still making first year coaching kind of mistakes. Our coaches are, are not in sync. Our players aren't in sync with what the coaches want. Uh, by the third year, most of these players should have had enough repetition and understand what Scott's trying to do and understand the language that's being used and everything to where this stuff is second nature to them, right? It's a, they could do it in their sleep. But for whatever reason, it seems like our players are, are still out there, both uh, offense and defense, thinking too much. They're out there thinking instead of just doing. And as a third-year program, you, it shouldn't be that way. So it, it, that, that's, that's the... That's the real crux of this, and that's what Scott needs to, again, and, and, it, and it's sad that he's having to do this again because he's, he's spoken, he's talked about having to do this in the past, and that is he needs to simplify. He needs to lock in on a smaller number of plays and get the damn execution down on those plays and then build off of that going forward. I think he's got too much offense introduced, and you got too many guys that don't know which side of, of, of the quarterback they're supposed to be on. Uh, you got wide receivers running back and forth from one side to the other. You got offensive linemen who obviously don't know their assignment well enough that a, a late shift on the defensive line, which was one of the adjustments that, that uh, Northwestern made at halftime. They started shifting just before the snap of the ball, because they can anticipate the snap of the ball because our, of our stupid hand clapping with the quarterback. Okay. And so, um, you know, you got to change that up. You've got to, You got to have ways to to keep keep teams from being able to do that, right? So um, those are the kinds of deals that third year program should have in place, and we're still acting like this is the first year. And 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 I get it. Lots of reasons. You know, we had the weird uh, we had the weird weird game his first year where we lost our first game because of a lightning strike and and was canceled, and that kind of put us behind the eight ball in his first season and then uh you know some bizarre things injuries and stuff happened and you know last year we had some very odd ball you know injuries and stuff that happened early in the year that put us behind the eight ball and now this year we didn't have spring practice i mean you know there's all these things and and it it hurts it hurts a lot but then you you see other programs and they've seemed to overcome it why can't we right and that's that's back to the coaches.
0: Well, and and to that point, you just made me think, um, you know, Frost came into UCF, a program that was way, way down in the dumps, and in two years managed to get them, you know, to their uh, undefeated season. Um, so, you know, it just it does seem odd that he was obviously he had an amazing quarterback uh, to, to be able to execute a system, which was a big help for him. Uh, but still, you know, he was able to get that offense, those players, up to speed on like his system in two years' time. Um, so why can't? Why is it the year three at Nebraska, and we're still, you know, seemingly
1: so far behind of that? Right. Well, and I and, and I you hit on it. I think the if there was there's a bunch of reasons, but the biggest one, he had a quarterback. He had a kid who emerged as the clear leader, who had confidence confidence and who knew what Scott wanted to do and he knew it intimately and he was able to make good decisions and make plays okay and so the guy had supreme confidence I would not describe Adrian Martinez as a guy who has supreme confidence and understands the offense inside and out he's not ever demonstrated that and he's in his third year that's unacceptable to me
0: okay and then the last point i was going to make uh one more positive since we've been pretty negative about this game and there's a lot to be negative about uh on the defensive side um the defense gave up a touchdown on the first on northwestern's first play of the first half and their first play of the second half and then you know between that they did a very good job of you know, slowing them down. Um, I noticed that early on, we weren't getting any pressure on their quarterback, but we kind of changed some things up and then we really were. We got a a sack or two um, and forced them to throw early and things like that. They missed their field goal and then they did get one more touchdown in the fourth quarter. Um, But given how bad the offense is playing and kind of forcing the defense into, you know, helping us out, also getting the two interceptions, one of which led directly to a touchdown, you know, uh, there were some missed tackles that made me, very upset while watching the game. Um, But overall, I have to say that the defense did pretty good, um, you know, and uh, our off, if our offense had just been able to execute, like we've been saying, we would have won this game,
1: you know, maybe comfortably. Yes. And I, I completely agree with everything you just said there. Yep. I think that's a good summation.
0: All right. So moving on to uh, the national side of things, Um, back, back, in the last podcast um, we gave predictions about uh, two of the games, the big games for that week. One was Ohio state versus Penn state. I predicted that Ohio state would win 38, 28. You predicted 35, 17 and the file score ended up being 38, 25. So I was pretty darn close on my, uh, my recommendation there.
1: Yes, you were. And it's uh, especially given that it wasn't that way early. Right. I mean, Ohio State really was in dominant control, uh, and then they kind of let Penn State sneak back into it a little bit.
0: Right. And then the other big game, a big game in the Big 12, was Oklahoma State-Texas. I predicted that Oklahoma State would win 45-31. You predicted that they would win 35-28, and ended up being a a Texas victory of 41-34. Wasn't that in
1: overtime? I think it was. Yes.
0: Yeah. And as I recall, I didn't watch the game, but I saw the highlights. Um, Oklahoma state should have won that game. Like they, uh, on the, all the stats, they were way better. Like kind of like we were against Northwestern, but I think they had some untimely, uh, interceptions or turnovers that let kind of Texas get back in it. Um, and then, uh, you know, and they have uh, Sam Ellington, that quarterback, who I know you mentioned as uh, just a guy that never gives up. And I think that proved itself to be the case there again.
1: Yep, uh, I would agree. And uh, um, yeah, it's just, just it's frustrating to me because, you know, I'm not a huge Texas fan, uh, but I have great admiration for that quarterback. He could play for me any day.
0: <laughs> we'll take him uh and then the other one which was uh big for us of course coming from uh michigan uh msu versus michigan uh with uh msu pulling it out uh, 27
1: first- 24 yes and they they looked really uh a good uh particularly uh their quarterback and one of their wide receivers a, a young player uh i think his last name was smith uh that just kind of came out of nowhere and just made some absolute highlight type uh, catches that led to a few scores for uh, msu that allowed them to kind of stay in it and stretch the lead a little bit and and really uh put the the pressure on michigan and then michigan kind of made some bad errors that allowed michigan state to secure the win
0: right and last game to mention um Kansas State, who was a contender in the Big Twelve, uh, got crushed by West Virginia, thirty-seven to ten. Which I hadn't really heard much about that game, but that, I know that is a big deal in the Big Ten.
1: Oh, uh, Big Twelve,
0: yeah, oh, Big Twelve, that's right. Yes,
1: yes. Um, well, and it, it, the frustrating thing to me is that now, as this is playing out, it, it's pretty apparent that Texas and Oklahoma are going to again, by the end of the season, most likely emerge. Uh, as the likely uh, champions of that league again, Uh, which, you know, it's been Oklahoma for like, I don't know, either seven years in a row or six out of the last seven. Um, So it's pretty crazy. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And it seems like Oklahoma state is almost kind of cursed in a way. Like they're always a contender, but they always seem to lose one or two somewhere along the way.
1: Right. Exactly. Yep. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, the well, they have a curse, like we are now fighting a curse, and it's it's about having uh, a culture that knows how to win, that expects to win. Well, wow. and we now have a culture of of not winning, and so we don't expect to win. Now ours is any game. <laughs> Oklahoma State's is 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 kind of limited to uh, whenever they go up against the big boys, meaning Oklahoma or Texas. They tend to. Uh, fail. Yeah, they just do. Even if they have better talent. Right. I think what they're
0: struggling with is more comparable to what we were under the in the Bo Pelini era, where you know we're consistently winning nine games, but we could never win the big ones, the ones that really matter. Um, and that's kind of where they're at. Whereas where we're at now is uh, <laughs> we're struggling to get winning seasons. Period. So, yeah, it's a bit of a different curse
1: that we're dealing with. <laughs> right. Um, right. Well, but I, I really I really do believe I mean again as we talked about in, in our coverage of uh, the Nebraska Northwestern game. Bottom line, if you clean up the mistakes uh, of penalties, okay, and and you don't make stupid interceptions, okay, you, you got to figure you're going to get one turnover a game. That's just the nature of the sport, you know, the weird bounce off the helmet deal. Okay, I get that, but but you can't just throw balls up for grabs either, right? Uh, you, you're going to lose a lot of football games because of that. Uh, and so you've got to be able to make the right decisions and you've got to be smart and disciplined about your turnovers and your penalties and your tackling. It's just basic fundamental stuff. And so it's all about fundamentals Nebraska. They clean up the fundamentals and all of a sudden our team looks a lot better.
0: Yeah. I, and I absolutely agree with that. Uh, but the tough part is that that's been our issue for, you know, five years now and uh, or longer yes. than that, maybe. <laughs> and yes. some of our, our coaches, whoever we bring in, they just can't seem to get that basic part right. You know, um, that's right. Looking at now week 11, this past weekend of football, there actually were a lot of great games. Um, I caught some of them via just watching the highlights afterwards, Um, but a surprise was uh, Indiana playing against Michigan and winning 38-21, so it's been a rough two weeks if you're a Michigan fan. Um, From the highlights, I saw uh, Michigan uh, did have some of the receivers made some terrific catches, Um, but Indiana just played a great game from what it looks like. Um they're 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 they've had some major improvements, it seems
1: ah, uh, totally, absolutely they played uh they won that game. It wasn't that Michigan lost it. it wasn't necessarily a circumstance where Michigan had seven turnovers and just blew up blew out the game because of that. no, Indiana played hard and earned that victory, yeah yeah
0: so that yeah that was a good game uh and then there was a uh, florida versus uh georgia number five georgia versus number eight florida based on the ap poll and uh it kind of surprisingly was a bit of a blowout uh florida won 44 28 um and it was uh 31 21 or some I'm, I'm sorry 38 21 by the end of the first half so basically a first half with no defense on either side uh, right and uh Georgia just wasn't able to make up that deficit in the second half.
1: Right. Yep. Uh, definitely, uh, Georgia is missing some elements this year um, that uh, that they're they're struggling to to you know when they get up against the best uh, that of their SEC um, you know brethren they're getting beat. So um, they're just a notch below where where they maybe were last year or where people expected them to be. Hmm um and then
0: another uh great one that that went into double overtime which was uh cl- number one clemson versus number four notre dame which ended up being a notre dame upset of 47 40 in double overtime uh with the caveat that uh clemson star quarterback trevor lawrence was out of the game correct
1: uh due to covid uh positive yes, test. As, as well as a number of other players that were out either Due to COVID or injuries, so their defense was quite depleted as well. I mean, Clemson has is a shell of of what that team looked like on paper going into the season. So it'll be uh, I'm going to be curious to see what happens when all of their pieces that can come back are able to come back. And uh, there's a great likelihood that that if Notre Dame does what it's supposed to do and Clemson is able to, you know, reset the ship here before too long. Uh, they're going to end up m- matching up again in the ACC championship game because remember this year only Notre Dame is playing as a member, full member of the ACC for this season um, because of COVID. Um, so they are going to be eligible to compete for the ACC championship.
0: Yeah, that would be that would be interesting if if Notre Dame finally finds their way into the playoff um, as a member of the ACC this time. Um, yep. it, it is worth noting though, from what I saw of the highlights, uh, the second team quarterback for Clemson, who's there, I would a younger guy who will eventually take over when Trevor is gone. Uh, he played well from what I saw, he had some nice throws for sure. So I don't, you know, that was obviously a factor, but, um, that wasn't the main reason they lost.
1: Correct. Yep. Well, obviously their defense uh, struggled at times to to defend Notre Dame, especially Notre Dame's tight end, who had a phenomenal day. Uh, but yes, well, and and yeah, no no tears lost for Clemson. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that that quarterback is a five star, who was the number one quarterback in the in the country it, it last year or two years ago or whenever it was that he came out of high school. So. I mean, yeah, he's a very talented guy that we're going to hear a lot about, and everybody's going to have to learn how to pronounce that unpronounceable last name of his.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did sound like a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, and then uh... I'm going to call him Ukulele. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's an interesting abbreviation. Uh, and then, uh, of interest to us, Nebraska fans, uh, our upcoming opponent for this week, Penn state played against Maryland and, uh, lost 19 to 35. Uh, however, once again, from watching the highlights, uh, that score belies how lopsided the victory was. It was pretty much, over, it was 35 to seven, I think by this very start of the the third quarter, because, uh, uh, Penn State threw an interception that got returned for a touchdown. Um, so, with, with, I mean, at that point, you're already up 28 by 28 points at the start of the second half. Obviously, you can not come back from that, uh, but that's going to be hard for anybody. And uh, over at Maryland, they've got uh, Tua Tuvalungas, T- 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 however you pronounce his last names, his brother is the quarterback over there at Maryland. And it seems like he uh, played a great
1: game. Right. He did. And, uh, it's, it's Maryland's going to be an interesting team to watch because they, uh, they got blown out by Northwestern team that, that we pretty much controlled, but they got blown out by Northwestern, like 49 to seven or three or something. And then they turn around the week later and slow down Minnesota and, uh, and are able to outscore them towards the end and, and beat Minnesota, uh, and then turn around and beat Penn State. So now they're 2-1 and one and looking good with a team that most people had projected as being near the bottom of the Big Ten.
0: Right. And – now transitioning that into uh, the preview for this Nebraska-Penn State game, obviously us Nebraska fans are uh, down in the dumps after you know what what seemed like a very winnable Northwestern game that we lost. But for Penn State fans, they lost to Indiana in a close one right at the beginning. Then got beat by Ohio State. Now kind of got crushed a little bit by Maryland, um, so they're not feeling great either. Um, What what's your what's your kind of read on Penn State there? I'm not exactly I haven't followed them closely enough to kind of get the reason why they're struggling.
1: Well, number one, they've had a number of turnovers uh, and and untimely turnovers and mistakes and penalties and stuff because they're young, right? But I I would I would caution Nebraska fans in thinking this is not as talented a a Penn State team. They're actually they have quite a bit of talent. They don't have a, a great quarterback at this point. They have a young quarterback who's going to be keep keep getting better. So I think you're going to see a, a trajectory of improvement for Penn State and their players as they move along here uh, and progress in the season. Um, but um, uh, clearly they're a team that if they play like they've been playing, i.e. if they continue to make mistakes and if the quarterback continues to you know, uh, f- make some poor decisions in terms of throwing the football that allow Uh, our defense to, to pick a ball off here or there, then um, uh, then we have a a pretty decent chance because it is at home, you know, uh, but, but right now Nebraska is going to be embroiled in a a very intense uh, week of preparation because uh, Nebraska fans will be unrelenting and Nebraska uh, media will be unrelenting about trying to figure out what Scott's going to do at quarterback. And Scott is not going to share that And we probably won't know until the game starts uh, who's going to actually start. And even who, regardless of who starts, even if Adrian starts, uh, it'll probably end up being Adrian as the starter, but he'll have a much quicker trigger to pull him. You know what I mean? His, his hook will be a lot quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, but I just, I have a feeling that our, our opportunity to win early in the season, in my opinion was going to be the Wisconsin and Northwestern games. I felt going into the season that Wisconsin being at home and uh, Northwestern being a team that we had beaten last year, uh, you know, I did not anticipate uh, North, Northwestern's improvement on offense that they've now demonstrated here early in the season. But but those are the two that I thought, okay, those are two teams that I thought we could be competitive with. I don't think our rest, our roster matches up very well with Penn State's. I think that they're 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 way better than us but but Penn State has proven much like Nebraska has that you can have a roster that's got more talent but if you make enough mistakes you can lose to anybody and Penn State's 0 and 3 now because of that and uh, uh and I think that they probably should be 2 and 1 uh and they believe that and and uh, uh are frustrated that they find themselves 0 and 3 yeah
0: yep that is definitely a fair assessment i would say um and it is weird in that it feels like the season has just started, right? Our guys are start just starting to get in the groove, you know, and part of that's because of our Wisconsin game getting canceled. But uh, this Penn State game is the fourth game in an eight-game season, so we're basically already halfway through, which is uh, weird to think about. Um, it is. But uh, I think... Um, To start with on the Frost situation, because I know that there is a lot of, you know, anger amongst Nebraska fans and disappointment, and I feel that too, um, you know, due to the fact that we're just seeing these same basic mistakes that we've been seeing uh, since Frost took over. Um, But, you know, and you typically think of the third year of the coach is a new start as like, okay, by the third year, you need to show significant improvement over the first year. Um, But I do think that that gets a little caveat next to it for this particular season because of COVID and everything. Like, obviously, Scott was able to develop his talent and train with his guys as much as he would like to uh, due to this weird season that we've had this year. Um, So I understand to a certain extent, like, you know, we were never going to be as polished as we would hope we would be by this third year um, due to that. Um, So I'm giving Scott some slack in that regard um but I think that I would like I I seriously do want to see uh, McCaffrey come out as the starter in this game and give him his chance you know and if he blows it then bring Adrian back in but give McCaffrey his chance um since he's a younger guy and he seems to have his head on his shoulders better than Adrian does right now um and I think if we if we do that um and our defense is able to uh, slow Penn state down in the way that they were against, uh, like you said, a pretty solid Northwestern offense. Um, then I think we've got uh,
1: a shot at winning this game. Okay. Uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I like your optimism. I don't share it at this point, especially after what I've seen in the two games. It's all we got. We've only got two data points. I, I, I am now convinced that, uh, uh the progress that I had hoped we would have made if I kind of go down the list. Um, you know, the uh, offensive line improvement that I thought I witnessed at Ohio State seems to have been a bit of a mirage because um, uh, Northwestern was, was uh, in our backfield at the snap of the ball, it almost seemed like, on a number of plays. I think part of that is is that Northwestern understands our snap counts they understand our offense and are able to, I don't know if they're stealing signals. I don't know what it is, but they know what's going to happen before the play starts. And that's because Scott's too damn predictable. And so there's some some issues there with regard to how we disguise things and how we deal with, you know, shifts on defense and things of that nature that need to be improved. And I, I don't know that you can correct all of that in one week. So my concern is that, I don't think we have enough time to fix all that stuff in one week. Will will we be better at that, all of that collectively by the end of the season? Yeah, I think towards the end of the season, we might be better, especially if we can avoid a bunch of injuries. But but uh but but in one week, I, I just I don't see it. So I am I am of the opinion that I, I'm hopeful that what we will see is a more competitive Nebraska team that makes fewer Mistakes doesn't shoot itself in the foot as much this this week, but we we'll fall short because Penn State has just got too much more talent, too much more. Um, I know that I'm not saying that right. It's just got more talent than us, and and we can't overcome that unless they continue to be a stumbleitis uh, kind of team like us and continue to make stupid mistakes. Then then all, all all's open. But if we both play reasonably clean football. I think Penn state beats us by two touchdowns at, at least.
0: All right. So what's your score prediction then?
1: Hmm, man. I mean, after getting only 13 points this week, I I'd like to think that Nebraska scores more than that. So I'm going to say Nebraska scores 24 and Penn state scores, um, 42,
0: 42. All right. So a little more than two touchdowns then, um, all right. Well, I'll go ahead and uh, – because I- I'm going in with the assumption that uh, we will – like you say, we can't fix all of our problems in a week. I wish we could. Uh, but I think we will be improved, and if McCaffrey plays well, I think that will help us tremendously on offense. Um, and I'm going to presume that Penn State is also uh, struggling right now in 0-3 and not where they wanted to be with their season – um, and so I'm going to predict that they are going to make some mistakes that will give us a chance to stay in it. So I'll go in and predict that Penn State uh, still wins, uh, but I'm going to predict a lower scoring game uh, and a closer game. So let's say that it is uh, 28
1: Penn State to 24 Nebraska. OK, well, see, I, I think uh, I'm going to add this extra descriptive that I, I think Penn State uh, is going to come out and they will, they, will, they will come out and be very clean against us. They won't have many penalties. They won't have any turnovers because, number one, our defense has never been very good at that, at, at actually being able to take advantage of turnover opportunities. We still don't know how to tackle. We're not rallying to the football the way we need to be. There's just so many elements of our defense that I, that I like in our youth – but we're just not there yet, and when we get up against teams that have the talent differential that we're going to be going up against this week, I just think it uh, does not bode well for us right. at all. Well, so I- I'm gonna I'm gonna call it another loss, and I think Penn State looks like the 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 great team that they were supposed to be
0: okay i i think that uh i think you're being a little bit harsh on the tackling cuz there were some really bad missed tackles in that northwestern game that made me bad but there were also were some really nice ones or plays you know where our guys read uh the play well you know and got back there and stopped it immediately uh you know we've generally yep. in both one consistent thing in the Northwestern game and the Ohio state game is that we've been pretty good at, uh, you know, shutting down the run, uh, for, you know, good chunks of the game against our opponents. Um, and that pressure we were able to get on their quarterback, all that stuff uh, gives me hope that, uh, we'll see more of that from the defense. Well, there you go. I like it. All right. I
1: like it. Um, and then I, I hope you're right. In <laughs> I... fact, I, I hope somebody's going to predict that Nebraska wins because that's what I want. I saw I,
0: I apparently it's a, it's a, Penn State's up by four points in like the odds makers right now. So right, They're predicting
1: right. it's going to be close. Um, well, that's not so much that they're predicting it's going to be close. It, they're just saying it's four points because they're trying to get 50 percent betting on both sides. And uh, neither of these teams are going to get much action because no one knows uh, hmm. what they're going to get out of either Nebraska or Penn State. That's true. Too unpredictable. Um and then, also, this upcoming
0: weekend, um, not quite as many good games as uh, the past weekend. Uh, however, um, in the Big Ten, we've got a couple good ones. Indiana plays against yes. uh, Michigan State, and Michigan plays against Wisconsin. Um, now, what is Wisconsin's situation in regards to their players who are out due to COVID?
1: Okay. So, you know, I, that's good. that's a very good question. I don't know how the rules are actually going to be interpreted. But if I understand correctly, the the starting quarterback is supposed to come off his 21 days so that he could um, play this Saturday. Okay, um, uh, Mertz. Um, I don't know how many of the other guys are in that situation in terms of their their spot on the 20 day, 21 day COVID timing. Um, my perception is that most of the other guys won't be available, uh, but. Um, they do have, uh, you know, the, the number of people with COVID has dropped at, uh, you know, it was at 22 or 23. And now it's down to like, I think, 12. So um, they definitely have moved significantly in the right direction. They'll make the decision on Monday or excuse me, on Tuesday. So we'll know here in the next couple of days um, what their decision is going to be if it's to cancel. But I predict that they are going to move forward with the game to play it because if they don't play this game, they are uh, according to the rules ineligible for the Big 10 championship
0: because mm-hmm.
1: they will have lost 3 games to covid. Right. So, um um they will uh, they'll be out of the running. So, you know that Wisconsin's going to be desperate to try to make it happen. Now, can they field a decent team? I you know, it all depends on who these other sick players are right. That can't go, um, this week. So, um, but if they get a reasonably, you know, competitive, most of their starters, I think they have a very good chance to beat Michigan just because Michigan's really been struggling. And frankly, if, if Wisconsin's defense is able to play the way they played in the first game, um, they're going to be hard for Michigan to, uh, to, uh, uh, contend with.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. A lot obviously depends on the COVID situation, uh, and then in the SEC, uh, what would traditionally be a big blockbuster game is Alabama LSU. Uh, however, uh, Alabama has you know played well as you'd expect of them, whereas LSU has kind of fallen off a cliff after their national championship win.
1: Um, so... And they hired Bo Pelini. <laughs>
0: yeah, that too. Uh, so I kind of expect that uh, that's going to be pretty lopsided in Alabama's favor.
1: I would agree. So, totally agree. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, but we'll look forward to that along with uh, this upcoming Penn State game and hope that, you know, on the on the plus side, if we lose this game or we're, we're past the tough first half of our season, so, you know, the, the upcoming games we have a better chance against, although, you know, if we keep making the fundamental mistakes we won't beat anybody so right exactly uh, that's what really But you, you are correct
1: a- a- after this weekend then then the second group of four games are games that that we could view as uh athletically competitive games then it becomes an issue of coaching and execution um whereas this game is a game where i still b- believe that that uh you know we're going up against a team that at least has equal if not superior coaching and definitely has better talent so when you're in that situation it's it's a big uphill climb to to beat them right um but um you know indiana did that right they, they beat penn state so so there are some people that have already found a way to do it uh and you know, penn state was helping them out a little bit too so We'll see what happens. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think we'll need some help from Penn State for sure. Absolutely. Um, So if you all out there enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can reach out to us at huskerpete13 at gmail.com. You can also find us if you search for College Football Throwdown on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. We'd love for you to leave us a rating or a review there and let us know what you think of the podcast, what we can improve on. So thank you all out there for listening, and thank you, Dad, for co-hosting with me. And until next time, go Big Red.
1: Go Big Red.